0: Hello, everyone. I'm Jim Santos, and this is Bigger, Better World from International Living. In this podcast series, we introduce you to a bigger world full of communities that are safe, welcoming, beautiful, and largely undiscovered. A better world, a friendly, warm, great value world where you can live richer, travel more, invest for profit, and enjoy a better life. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Bigger, Better World. Today, we'll be taking another look at the country that took the coveted number one spot in the International Living Global Retirement Index for 2023, Portugal, a politically stable and safe place to live, with choices ranging from big city life to small villages to the sunny Algarve, our ultimate destination today. Our guest is Glenda Cole, single mom and author of Trapped in the Corporate Bathroom, My Portugal Escape which you can find in the May 2023 edition of International Living Magazine. Glenda, welcome to Bigger, Better World, and thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me, Jim.
0: You know, I think the very first thing we should do is explain the title of your piece, uh, especially the Trapped in the Corporate Bathroom part.
1: Well, that yes, that is an interesting title, isn't it? But honestly, that's how I felt. So in the corporate world, I um, worked for an international developer and uh, was the vice president of marketing and sponsorship, basically partnerships. Mm -hmm. So two big jobs, one title, and I found myself pursued by my staff to the point where, for answers to questions, to the point where they were literally, at least the female's, would follow me into the bathroom and pepper me with questions while I was in there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yes, that was—I think—that was just a funny nuance of talk about stressed out, right?
0: Right. I I was in uh, that kind of high-pressure environment myself. I was a tech engineer for the U.S. Senate, and it was the opposite for me. I, I often couldn't get to the bathroom because there were so many <laughs> demands being put on me. So so I sympathize deeply <laughs> with the problem. <laughs>
1: Yes, we used to make jokes about the company should have done logoed catheters. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs>
0: it issued diapers to everybody, right?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when did you uh, first start thinking there must be a better way to live than this? Was there a certain event that set you off?
1: You know, it was, you know, it was actually. It, I I always knew that there was this sort of nebulous future for me, and I would loved to travel, and I always loved Europe. But w- the moment where I realized life was consuming me. And basically I loved my job, but I remember I was on a plane. I think I was on a plane to Hawaii, very long flight for work. Mm -hmm. And um, I was writing a marketing plan for one of the properties. And in the midst of it, I was thinking about my son and I was thinking about all that I had to get done and my to-do list and my spreadsheets. And it just hit me on this plane that, you know, I'm being consumed by this job as much as I love it. Literally it's consuming almost all my thought time. And I've never written a marketing plan for sort of myself, all the marketing plans I'd written in my career. I thought, yeah, maybe it's time to sit and plan out my life. And that's when I really started to think about, you know, what is it going to look like? How can I escape? You know, how can I have my free bathroom time in the future without anybody asking me questions?
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people, especially during the pandemic, discovered that instead of uh, working to live, they were living to work. So true. And you mentioned that you, in the article, that you attended the International Living Conference in Las Vegas. So what year was that?
1: You know, I don't even remember. That was a long time ago. That was probably, that was probably seven or eight years ago. I traveled so much in those days. I remember I ran into my boss when I was on the way to that conference in the airport, and she, oh, what are you going to Vegas for? And I had that moment of, ah, uh, <laughs> I'm going because <laughs> I can't. I have to escape this job and you, and I can't stand it anymore. And instead, I was like, um. Made up some insane story about meeting somebody. <laughs> I was going out to <laughs> Vegas for this, and uh, she looked at me like I was insane. But that 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 moment, that trip, really crystallized for me. You know, it's re- it can be reality. You really can do this.
0: Do you remember what brought the conference to your attention in the first place?
1: I had been reading the magazine for a long time. Oh, okay. And actually, when I was on that plane writing the marketing plan, I happened to have the annual issue that was the, you know, best places in the world to retire. So when I was writing my marketing plan, I pulled that out and went, let me look at this and do my own spreadsheet with those things that are most important to me. And that's how I arrived at the sort of countries. And from there, I think before I started exploring the countries, I thought I better go to this conference. And, you know, they had a lot of great speakers on a lot of those different countries. And I took copious notes and, you know, it helped me kind of guide that those five trips I was planning to make.
0: Uh, You said you built a spreadsheet to decide which countries you wanted to explore Mm -hmm. first.
1: (laughs) Yes. As a computer guy, I'm sure that's interesting, right? Yeah. Um, Spreadsheets. I love spreadsheets. I'm such a spreadsheet nerd. And I built one that um, I sort of added variables to those criteria that international living had that were really important to me. Like, of course, weather is important to everybody, but I grew up in Michigan. So Mm. one of the big deals when I retired is I never wanted to see snow in my lifetime again.
0: That was we we lived in Ecuador for just over or almost seven years, and that was my wife's number one thing too. She didn't want to see snow,
1: mm-hmm, let alone shovel it.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you started off exploring in Malta.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. uh, Malta was on the list, and started out with Malta. Took my son. It was amazing.
0: That's kind of a kind of an off the beaten track choice. What was it that made that a place that you wanted to explore?
1: You know, partially was the proximity to Europe because I've always loved that European lifestyle. And I thought, you know, if I was on Malta, which sounded beautiful and it ranked very, very high with international living, I thought, you know what? It'd be an easy hop, skip and a jump to the rest of Europe. Besides the fact that I loved the seafood there, the ocean, pretty much, you know, it's an island. Every place had an ocean view. Mm -hmm. It was stunning. We had a gorgeous villa. But after I realized as much as I loved it, I would get island fever after a while. I was just Didn't think I could long-term retire there.
0: And then your next step was Panama.
1: Yes, yeah, I went to the other side of the world and thought I would try Panama because, of course, international living had a great write-up. It was uh, the cost of living was incredible. We tried. My son and I went again. We tried three different types of living experiences in Panama. One was we tried Panama City Mm. in a high-rise, you know, overlooking the canal. That was very cool. Um, Then we went to (laughs) we went to this hilltop village where this sort of nut of an American lady had retired to rescue exotic animals. And the cool part was we hugged sloths and monkeys were climbing (laughs) around my hair. And it was really a great experience. But we had booked the night there. Mm -hmm. Uh, She had as an Airbnb. And let me say she lived with the animals. And I just, we said, well, you know, oh, we made a mistake. We have to go get a hotel. So we scurried away. I thought, oh, I Couldn't live by the crazy monkey lady, so that was off the list. And then uh, we went to one of the beautiful gated communities for expats Mm -hmm. in Panama, which was really stunning. You know, incredible. uh, Panama is a place for incredible connectivity. Uh, The technology was amazing. The villa we had was beautiful, really nice people. But I really wanted to live more sort of with the locals. And I thought if I did live in Panama, I'd want to live in a gated community. And I thought probably not me.
0: At the time you were exploring these places, uh, what kind of time frame were you looking at? Did you have these spread out over several years that you were doing this?
1: Yes. So I I always did a crazy trip. My son and I are real close. We had done many crazy trips over the years. And he had gone when I was starting this sort of mission to find my retirement place. He was in med school. So he was going year round and he could only have a couple weeks off like 3 weeks at Christmas it was his only time off so right. we ended this ended up being a 5 year plan to go see each of these countries with him get his you know opinion as well so we only went for holiday, which was interesting too. Going to these places, celebrating Christmas and New Year's somewhere else in the world it was really fun. The
0: whole the whole time you were thinking about a retirement destination, you weren't considering maybe trying to work remotely or anything like that.
1: No, I was all about I need to get out. I need an exit strategy, and I wanted that lesser cost of living so that I could get out sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was I had my spreadsheet for every country while I was inland, and I or, on the ground there. And I started doing, filling out my, you know, what are the costs here? What are grocery costs, et cetera. So I was trying to get a picture of what that cost of living would be like in each country.
0: Yeah. That's important. Uh, I mean, the global retirement index has some really valuable information in it, but just because a country is rated number one by the numbers, it doesn't mean it's going to be number one for you specifically.
1: Exactly. And Mm -hmm. that's
0: really important steps that you took there to go and actually visit them because Oh for sure. Uh, yeah. I, I love spreadsheets too, but as nice as it looks on paper, it's never exactly <laughs> mm-hmm. the same as when you're actually got your boots on the ground.
1: That's so true, and I think so many people unfortunately will take a, you know, brief vacation and then go, "Oh, I want to live like this the rest of my life," thinking that that, you know, week vacation is going to turn into a beautiful retirement and, you know, it, I frankly once I had landed on the spot, I also before I made the move, I rented for a few months. Uh, for a couple of years, and did the snowbird thing because I wanted to be sure I wanted to live there you know for three months as long as the Schengen visa allowed mm-hmm. to really make sure that I could full time year round live in a country. yeah,
0: so when you tried out Spain, was there any particular region that you were interested there in Spain?
1: the The southern coast, the Costa del Sol mm-hmm. is beautiful, right? I wanted that lifestyle, and I speak enough Spanish to get by. And it was a lot of in fact, when, when we left Spain, I said to my son, you know, I think this is it. I'm, I'm pretty sure I loved it. The south of Spain was fabulous. It checked all the boxes. We had an incredible uh, New Year's Eve in a tiny little town there. It was just a lot of fun. I thought, okay, you know, this, this is the place for me. But, of course, I'm that personality that's like, oh, wait a minute. Check, check, check. That was only three countries. I've got two more to go. Right. So I thought <laughs> the next year, <laughs> i got to hit those two. But, you know, what? the next year, let's try Portugal. And you know what? I was pretty sure that after a couple of days, if we didn't like it, we're just really close to Costa del Sol. We'll buzz back over to Spain and spend the rest of our time there.
0: So when did you first arrive in Portugal?
1: Well, the first time I went to Portugal was actually before that. So I went to Portugal with a group of friends, um, gosh, probably 15 years ago, maybe 12, on a barging trip. So there's the largest man-made lake in Europe is in the central part of Portugal, and I actually did a, a barging trip on this great houseboat and we had a blast. We went to all these little walled cities and that was the trip that kind of elevated Portugal to my list because of the people and the incredible food. Frankly, it was just a great experience so that later when Portugal was on my list for a possible retirement destination, I came with my son. I came to the Southern coast to the Algarve. And that was a number of years ago, my first time, because as I said, I went back and forth. So I spent three let's three winters here before I made the permanent move a year and a half ago.
0: So you did put a lot of study into this.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, you know, it's a, a lifetime and I did want to make a mistake. So I wanted to be sure I had the right location. And initially I thought maybe I would do a snowbird thing. I thought maybe I'll do, um, so in Michigan I had a boat and I sold, I tried it. I sold my place and I kept the boat and I thought in Michigan, obviously you can only boat in the summer. So right. I thought, you know what, maybe I'll live on my boat in the summers and then i'll live in portugal the rest of the year and that took about one spring storm uh, at <laughs> one in the morning boat banging off the pylon and me trying to yank this big boat over by myself at you know two in the morning i went okay that's probably i need to sell this boat and like within a week i sold the boat and thought okay portugal here i come
0: so uh, you did explore some other places in Portugal, though. Uh, I believe in the article you said that you spent some time in Lisbon and enjoyed that as well.
1: Yes, I, I like Lisbon, and I still do. I mean, the fra- I'm close enough. It's about two and a half hours. So, I mean, I love to do. We just did a weekend in Lisbon, a long weekend, and uh, attended a professional tennis match there. And I have some restaurants that I love. I always seem to find a new one when I'm there. And Lisbon's a lot of fun. And I might have considered it non-retirement. But mm-hmm. it's just city life and that kind of, you know, I have friends that actually want to retire in a big city in Europe. But mm, I really love the Algarve because it doesn't, it has a lot to offer, a lot of culture, a lot of things going on. But it doesn't have that sort of big city crazed pace, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. So that's what attracted you to the Algarve region?
1: Oh, yeah. the I, I love nature and the natural beauty of this area is incredible. I mean, I'm standing on my balcony right now <laughs> looking out over the rolling hills and I can see the ocean and the birds are tweeting and it's just fabulous. But I'm only 15 minutes away from Lagos, which offers, they have a cultural center. There are lots of live musical performances. There are all kinds of you know markets and just a ton of things to do throughout the Algarve.
0: You mentioned at first that there were five countries that were on your list. Uh, Portugal was your fourth mm-hmm. stop, but you uh, decided yes. to forego the fifth
1: Yes. Once once we hit the Algarve, not only did we not make it back to the Costa del Sol in Spain, I by the time we hit our third stop, which was Lagos, I said, that's it. <laughs> no need to go to Costa Rica. I really love this place. I love the people. I love the weather. I love, and it was winter. It was, you know, Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Um, I love just, there's just so much here that, you know, it's almost spiritual. It's such an uplifting even the, the quality of the light here, the quality of the air you're breathing, it's hard to describe in a podcast, mm-hmm. so you have to you have to breathe it yourself, but it is amazing. I just feel so much better every day.
0: I, I do understand that, and it's uh, amazing how many people you talk to who have moved uh, to another country after sampling several locations, uh, and my wife and I experienced the same thing. When, when we got to Salinas, Ecuador, we still had a few other places that we were going to check out. But as soon as we got there, it's like something inside you just clicks mm-hmm. and, and you say, well, this is yeah. it, you know,
1: <laughs> yeah, you just know, it's kind of like when you walk in a house and you, you're going to buy You suddenly, like there's some sort of visceral, your reaction, this is it. This is the place for me. Yeah.
0: Now, were you looking to uh, purchase a home from the very start or did you consider renting for a while?
1: So actually I was looking to purchase, but I still me and my spreadsheets and my research, right? I wanted to make sure I got the perfect place. So I rented, um, for seven months and I wanted to rent in different areas. So <laughs> I drove, I drove my boyfriend insane because we'd have to pack up everything and move every right. couple of months because I wanted to try somewhere new. Uh, and we found, you know, I finally found this little town I live in, which is I'm on a golf course. It's near a small town and with this stunning view and it but I probably looked at, wow, <laughs> well, online, I looked at hundreds because it's so different here. Mm-hmm. You know, you're kind of your own real estate agent. So right. you have to find your own place. And I, wow, I really went through them. But then I looked at probably a dozen, maybe more, maybe 15. Um, And when I found this place, I just, of course, it was more than I planned to pay, a little farther out than I planned. But once it's, again, you walk in, you go, oh, geez, I'm in love. I have to, I have to live here. So.
0: You mentioned a boyfriend. You're not there as a single expat then?
1: No, I'm not. No, I, um, but actually it's kind of strange. We met during COVID. What a Mm -hmm. story and online. And I never thought I'd be here with someone else actually. And he had never been to Portugal. He traveled a lot, but during COVID we couldn't even explore it. Right. So I was just, I, he, one day he just looked at me cause I, I told him what my plan, you know, I, once COVID was kind of over with, I was sort of planning to move to Portugal and he shocked me by saying, Hey, can I come too? So oh. I said, okay. <laughs> so he's kind of my renter and, uh, he works out of the house. Hmm. His, his company that he worked for in Florida, uh, allowed him to work digital. He went to three days a week, part time, and he's working digitally from here.
0: How long have you been there now?
1: I've uh, been here just almost coming up on two years and bought the house just over a year, year ago.
0: From the way you described it, it sounds like a, a fairly good-sized place. Uh, does your son come out to visit you then during his breaks?
1: He's been out. One, well, so now he's a working doc, so he doesn't have a whole lot of time. He's been out once. Um, he came last November for, over the Thanksgiving holiday and mm-hmm. um, had a wonderful time. But I actually put the villa. It's in his name. so he you know, came out because he had to see the place he owns, quote unquote. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's, it is too big, but I just fell in love with it. It's, you know, four bedrooms and five bathrooms and there's a beautiful pool. And, but the view is what I'd die for. If this was a two bedroom apartment, I'd still want to live here because it's, the view is incredible.
0: Did you have any uh, difficulties with the logistics of the actual move itself? Uh, did you end up selling everything in Michigan and, mm-hmm. and moving?
1: Yeah. Really interesting. You know what, Jen, this, it was, I had a completely different plan than what actually reality happened. So during COVID um, the, I had my budget for shipping everything and the prices went through the ceiling, right? Mm -hmm. So they couldn't get trucks, let alone ships, et cetera. So I thought, well, I'll just wait until after COVID. So I put everything there, came here, stored everything. And then oops, the Ukrainian war and prices to ship to Europe again, Continue to be insane. So I checked, mm-hmm. last, I checked the last time I checked, it, I only had half a shipping container and for half the shipping container to Lisbon, it was going to be, um, 11, over 11,000 us dollars. Mm-hmm. So at that point I said, you know what, I can buy an awful lot of furniture and stuff for that kind of money. So the last time I went back, um, I, put it all on Facebook marketplace. And as hard as it was to part with some of my furniture that I loved when I bought the villa, it was fully furnished. So I really didn't need that amazing, you know, sofa. And I, as much as I would have liked some of my other art and things, I got rid of almost everything. Now I've got about five boxes in a tiny little storage area just, and I'll kind of bring things over in a big suitcase as I go back and visit.
0: So how about your escape from the corporate world? Did you have any difficulties <laughs> uh, with that?
1: You know, that's, that's a whole nother crazy story that I'll try to give you the cliff notes on. So I had it all planned. I had just announced to my boss who wanted a succession plan for me, right? Like I'm royalty or something. Right. I said, okay, <laughs> <laughs> she was pressuring me for this plan. And finally, I finally, I said, okay, two years. So I literally within, mm two months of telling, you know, announcing at work that we had a two-year plan. We were putting plans in place for how, you know, I was going to promote, who I was going to promote, et cetera, how I was going to structure things. And I was in Nashville about one night. I flew in one evening and I was going to attend a conference the next day. And I ended up in the hospital and I had a, um, they ended up flying me back to Michigan, but I ended up having a brain lesion that they said was brought on by stress.
0: Yeah. I'm not surprised.
1: So yeah, really. I mean, usually two and, weeks notice
0: is good, but two years is really uh-huh, stretching. It. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You're really stretching. It was, it was a pretty intense thing. So uh, yeah, all the pressure just imploded. My, my brain decided it had enough and it, it was scary as hell. And they eventually told me, you know, they thought it was cancer. They eventually told me it was this inflammation and the head of neurology at the university of Michigan came in and said, uh, this is from stress. I've seen this once before. Do you change time zones a lot? I think that week I changed time zones three times, yeah. <laughs> and very little sleep, you know. And she said, uh, "You need to change your life." And the company was wonderful. I literally, at that moment, I never—I retired two years ahead of plan. I never read another email, never attended, never attended another meeting. Um, they were amazing. So it, it turned out to be a very abrupt departure yeah. <laughs> instead of the two-year pain that I was anticipating.
0: So I take it you don't regret the decision at all.
1: (laughs) No, can you tell? Not a (laughs) moment. (laughs) I am the happiest person I know. And it is a stunning way of life. And it is, I I tell my friends, I'd say I'm living the dream, but I could not have dreamed living like this. I, I couldn't have even, I've got a good imagination, but I couldn't have come up with this. I call it my storybook life. And it really is.
0: What was the reaction of your family and friends when you first announced that you were going to be retiring early and moving to another country.
1: Well, retiring early, they were uh, um, all about after they'd had to deal with me in the hospital. Right. But right. Uh, they understood that part. As far as moving so far away, um, I was surprised actually. My son who was a little, probably the most upset of anyone and he hit it very well because he knew it would make me happy. But um, you know, he's a guy, he's a doc, he's got all these things going on in his life and I, we're very close but heck, even in those days, we weren't spending time together. He lived, lives in San Diego. And mm-hmm. you know, so I think he was, he was the most taken aback. Um, but my friends, my friends who had been traveling with me for years, some of them and all my crazy adventures were knew that this was my dream and were thrilled that I was able to do it a couple years earlier than planned. And You know, fortunately, the cost of living is so much better here that even though my two-year spreadsheet plan didn't work out, it didn't need to. I was able to leave two years earlier than planned and buy a beautiful villa. So Mm -hmm. I'm very lucky.
0: What type of residency visa did you apply for when you moved to Portugal?
1: So I did the D7 long stay visa um, from the U.S., which I had to do, you know, with the consulate there, Mm -hmm. the Portuguese consulate in the U.S. And it was a lot of paperwork and a lot of craziness. Because it was during COVID. So I all back and forth, finally got it all done. What they didn't tell me was that when they did that little four month visa in my passport, it would also have in minute type a date, a meeting date that they somehow set up from the US for me to have a meeting in Portugal um, with the immigration here. Fortunately, I went to a lawyer here and said, "I don't. How do I get this done?" And she said, "Oh, it's there's a date on that visa in your passport, and it was like in a week." And I went, <laughs> and I thought it would be a nightmare, and it was simple. About 15 minutes after walking in, they took my fingerprints, they asked me a few questions, they spoke English. Somebody jumped up from the audience that was sitting there to help with one rough translation, and um, literally 15-20 minutes, I walked out with a two-year a uh, resident visa in Portugal. And then I will renew that in another two years and then one more year. And then after five years, you can apply for citizenship.
0: Yeah. Okay. And that is your plan then to apply for citizenship in Portugal.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Do you ever uh, go back to the States to visit family and friends?
1: Yes. So I, the plan was to go back every August uh, for the whole month. And mm-hmm. I do. And the beauty of that is August is the high season in certainly in the Algarve, but in all of Europe, because all of Europe has, of course, August off. August off,
0: off right. And,
1: yeah, and they all rent. So the Algarve is known as sort of the playground with all the golf courses, all the things to do here, the, all the beaches and the cliff walks. So mm-hmm. the rents are amazing. That So I, I rent this place. I rented it for a couple of weeks last year, and it's, um, I've got it rented for all of August. And it's on Airbnb for forty six hundred dollars a week right. in August. So, so, you know, wow, that helps with the mortgage. Right, so,
0: and pays for your trip back to the states.
1: Yes, it covers, and I'm going to Thailand next year, and it's covering that too. So,
0: yeah, that was something I was going to ask. Uh, you, you've been doing so much traveling all of your life. I was wondering if you were still. Still had the travel bug if you still got out and saw new places and new locations.
1: So that's really interesting because I thought I would be all about it. That's been such a part of my life for so long. But once I moved here and the fact that I go back for a month in August, I haven't really done the international travel. Next year, uh, Thailand and Cambodia with my group of friends will be the first. Frankly, people have been visiting me. <laughs> so right. I haven't had that urge to go off and explore the world. But I will do it in time I, uh, because there's so much to do in Europe. I can go to Paris for the weekend for like a hundred dollars round flight round trip flight so uh, i want to do some of those long weekends and next year probably and then you know every other year or so i'm hoping to do a crazy exotic fun trip
0: yeah that's something that i've heard a lot from people who have moved to a a european locations Uh, the best part of living in europe is that you're in europe so you have so many other destinations that are uh, a cheap uh, train ticket or a cheap airplane ticket or even a ferry boat away
1: Yes. And um, I mean, I love the small towns of Europe. So I've done many, many of those barging trips with the, this group of friends. We've done that for 20 years and been all over Europe. I find that a beautiful way to see Europe. And because of all the, the people you see that, you know, don't spend all of their lives with tourists, uh, right. the small towns are just enchanting. It's a lot of fun.
0: You mentioned the tourists. That was something um, I wanted to bring up. As I mentioned, we lived in Salinas, Ecuador, and its Pacific coastal town and it's the most popular beach resort in ecuador and you get a lot of snowbirds uh, coming down for that as well the the only negative we really had about the area was that sudden influx of tourists especially on holidays do, mm-hmm. do you find the tourist season there on the algarve to be uh just a little too busy
1: so depending on where you're at in the algarve i would say yes if you're in lagos or albufera um those towns can get overrun with tourists fortunately even just 15 minutes west of lagos it is very quiet here on the on the golf course the villas here they rent them a lot in the summer but mm-hmm. um they're they're spaced enough and situated we rare last summer we didn't hear anything really um and then we can drive into town it's funny so we laugh you know from the states when I go back in August and I'm sitting at a traffic light for 20 minutes or whatever in San Diego, visiting <laughs> my son and then I come here and I'm annoyed because in you know July I had to wait a minute and a half at a roundabout. So right. <laughs> it's, it's a different world, you know, but yes, it does get very busy. You do have to have reservations in July and August for the restaurants, but it's, it's the area I'm in is still pristine and fabulous.
0: Did you uh, experience any kind of culture shock when you first moved there?
1: The only culture shock I experience, and I still experience every time I have to deal with it, is anytime you're doing business, right? So as an American executive it's <laughs> who loves spreadsheets, you have a, a to-do list and things get done. And when someone tells you it's going to be done now, it happens, right? Mm-hmm. Or you're very upset if someone misses a deadline. Well, in Portugal <laughs> and in all of Europe, but in Portugal, there's very much a Mm, Okay. Uh, come on in. Sure. You want to chat? No, I'd really like to get this business done. Well, let's talk first. And right. then sometimes They'll tell you because they don't want you to be unhappy. They're so kind mm-hmm. that the business people will tell you, oh, you're going to get this, you know, oh yeah, you'll have it. When do you want it? You want it next week? Okay, you'll have it next week. Well, two months later, right? right. <laughs> you don't have it and they don't understand why you're upset. So yeah, the, the, a type A business personality, it's very hard for me to, you know, tone that American down and, and deal with the fact that it took months to buy this house. It takes a long time to get any paperwork done on any topic, and you just roll with it. So I'm learning.
0: Yeah, I do do hear that a lot from people who are living in not only just Europe, but also in Latin American countries. Mm -hmm. In in Ecuador, we had the saying that mañana doesn't mean tomorrow. It means not today.
1: Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good way to say it. Yeah, same thing here. And it doesn't mean tomorrow. I've never thought of that, but you're absolutely right, Jim. Mañana means whenever. Yeah. (laughs) And maybe never. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, if there's someone in uh, corporate America right now hiding in the bathroom and listening to this podcast when on their earbuds, uh, do you have any advice for them?
1: Get out. You know the <laughs> the advice I have is truly I I could have done this sooner. I could have come to the realization and had more time with my son. You know, you never think you have enough. You never think you have enough money. You never think you have enough you know, you haven't accomplished enough in your career, no matter what you do, there's always some another milestone to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the truth is, you'll never be as fulfilled if you do it correctly, and you pick the right kind of place. I'm more fulfilled now. I mean, yeah, I do a few things for international living. I write for the local uh, expat newspaper here. I, you know, I travel, I just it's a different way of life, but I am so much happier. And I couldn't have envisioned that. I wish I would have gotten out earlier and to that person hiding in the bathroom. Start doing the math now. You can get out earlier, figure out the cost of living. You don't need to live like a king. You can get out and be happy.
0: And that's so important uh, being happy with your life rather than postponing everything for, well, once I retire, then I can be happy.
1: Exactly. I used to live for my big posh. Fabulous, exotic vacations, you know, once a year with my friends somewhere fun and wild, and once a year with my son. And those few weeks a year, the rest, you know, you don't think all you do is think, oh, I can't wait. The next trip is here. Planning then as soon as one was over. Where am I going next? I wasn't living, you know, for the day. I was living to get out in a way. So yeah, it's a different mindset.
0: We've been chatting with Glenda Cole, author of the May 2023 article, Trapped in the Corporate Bathroom, My Portugal Escape. Glenda, best of luck to you in your new life, and thanks for joining us on Bigger, Better World.
1: It's a pleasure, Jim. Thank you so much.
0: The Bigger, Better World podcast is a production of International Living. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. If you have an idea for an episode or a question you'd like us to answer, email us at mailbag at And don't forget to put podcast in the subject line of your email. That's mailbag at internationalliving.com. We created Bigger, Better World to help showcase the ideas we explore at International Living each month and grow our community of travel lovers, expats, and experts who believe, as we do, that the world is full of opportunity to create a more interesting, more international life. You don't have to be rich or famous to do that. You just need to know the secrets. And that's what we bring you at International Living. If you haven't become a member yet, you can do it today with a special discount offer for podcast listeners. You'll receive our monthly magazine plus a bundle of special extras. You'll find the link in our show notes, or you can go to intliving.com podcast. That's intliving.com slash podcast. Be sure to listen next week when we will be getting a glimpse of what it is like to live on the Greek island of Syros. Until then, this is Jim Santos with International Living reminding you there's a bigger, better world out there just waiting for you.